Twitter handle, at Religion of Woke. Whatever. These are some segments that were supposedly supposed to go into longer podcasts of their own. And I never did it, so I'm just going to throw them all here so I can delete them off of my device. So there's a book called Anti-Racist Baby by Ibram X. Kendi. He's a, whatever, he's a big uh, guy ever since George Floyd was murdered. And there's a thing going around where it's like, uh, there ain't no K-12 through people being taught critical race theory, which is false. Um, anyways, so I just thought I'd read you uh, some lines from the Anti-Racist Baby book. You know, it's a baby book. Or at least it has pictures that a baby would like to see. And then it has weird words about anti-racism. Anyways, here's some of those words. Babies are taught to be racist or anti-racist. There's no neutrality. Open your eyes to all skin colors. Anti-racist baby learns all the colors. Not because race is true. If you claim to be colorblind, you deny what's right in front of you. I'll say, actually, this book ain't that bad. Um, I went through all the things. Um, whatever. It's pretty innocuous. So that's interesting. So looking at some stats on LGBTQ people by generation. Like basically if you go, you know, you know, okay, you got Generation Z is the current babies, uh, Millennials, Gen X, Baby Boomers. And then the greatest generation before them, um, basically gay stuff has been going up. You know, the percentage of people who say that there's some sort of LGBTQ2IA plus has been going up. But it's kind of funny. It's like, gay, it's gone up, but it hasn't shot through the roof. Lesbian, it's gone up, again, has not shot through the roof. Um, transgender... Whatever. There's now more transgender than there are lesbians. And almost as much transgender as there is gay. I mean, this is... Let me tell you what. These are people saying that they're transgender when they're not transgender. This is BS. But anyways, transgender has gone from basically nothing to as much as there is gays and lesbians. You know, it's just hip. It's cool. You want to be the coolest kid in your high school, you pretend you're transgender. Maybe the non-binary are in there. I don't know. The thing that just dwarfs all of them is bisexual. So, like, there used to be, like, no bisexuals, but now, I, yeah, bisexuals, uh, there's more of them. More people saying they're bisexual than all the other stuff put together. And here's the thing. They don't say, I haven't seen by men and women yet, but, you know, like, like a gay guy, if a man is having sex with men, he means it. And, you know, he might have sex with a woman, or he might be married to a woman, but what he really likes is having sex with men. And he wouldn't even call himself a bisexual, he'd call himself straight, probably. So, anyways, I think bisexual is, uh, it's women. They have sex with other women in college, then they marry a man, have kids, and never do it again. And there's a ton of them now. So I'm listening to some more Coleman Hughes, and he got asked, what is critical race theory? Like, what is the academic uh, philosophy, psychology thing called critical race theory? And then, what is critical race theory in kind of modern culture in America last few months, last year? And whatever. He gives the perfect answer. Um, you know, I should just republish everything he says and call that my podcast. But anyways, I'll just try and summarize what he said. I'm sure I 
whatever. I'll just do my best. So he says what, like, the historical critical race theory thing, you know, that they were teaching in colleges. Uh, I'm not sure how long. Um, anyways, definitely since the 60s. Uh, basically, that America... You know, there's, a, there's an ingrained thing in America. And, you know, slavery, Jim Crow, like, those are obvious examples. But basically, there's just this kind of... Whatever, there's, a, there's, there's, there's something in the air. There's something... Whatever, there's something in the systems. There's something in the outcomes. And it just, you know, it helps one group and it hurts another. I'm, I'm sure you can imagine which group. You know, what are the races of those groups? I'm sure you can imagine. And like, you know, part of the fight of that is like, what is America? Is it this, whatever, great country that did all these great things? Or is it this terrible country that always did these terrible things? And, you know, you can fight, you know, you know, what is America? What's the answer to the question, what is America? And critical race theory would say... It's a terrible place that always advantaged one group and disadvantaged another group. And then also along with that, it's like, so, you know, let's just say America is inherently, inherently racist. The next question is, can America ever stop being that? And I think, I think, you know, if you're, if you get real into CRT, critical race theory, I think you're pessimistic. You're like... America, ne America can never, ever stop being like that. But even though it can never be defeated, what we need to do to, whatever, make things right is we need to treat people based on their race, you know. If, you're, if, your, color, if your skin color is this, then we need to treat you this way. And if your skin color is that, we need to treat you another way. And no, that does not mean that white people get to be treated good. So there's a public intellectual that I love. His name is John McWhorter. He's a black guy. He's a professor at Columbia University and uh, whatever. He's, uh, he's counter-narrative. Uh, a lot of the stuff I say is probably just stuff that I got from him that I parrot what he said. But anyways, uh, I heard him talking about his father. Um, and that was interesting. So... His name is John McWhorter. His name is actually John McWhorter the Fifth. So like he's been able to like go back and find um well go all the way back to slavery. There was a there was a slave named John McWhorter. That was John McWhorter the first. I don't you know, they don't call you the first when you are the first. They just call you John McWhorter. And uh and then the second, third, fourth, and then him, they were after slavery. But he said a couple of interesting things. One of them was that apparently you're not supposed to name someone like, you know, like John McWhorter III. You're not supposed to um, name people stuff if the uh, if the previous person is dead. So, like, I guess basically when he was named John McWhorter V, you know, I think the first two or three John McWhorters were already dead. So, you know, he probably should have just been named John McWhorter II, which is that his dad was alive and he was alive. So that makes them John McWhorter and John McWhorter II. But, you know, I think we can all agree, uh, you can trace your John McWhorterness back to a slave, uh, you can name 
people in that lineage, whatever the hell you want. And uh, no one's going to complain. I certainly wouldn't. But he had a few other interesting facts. Um, you know, basically, like, his dad was kind of, was a, was a real cool cat, but he was kind of a distant father. Uh, I forget exactly how his grandpa was. I don't think the, I can't remember if the slave, I think, I think, that's right. I think there was one picture of the slave, John McWhorter, and so that's it. Like, no one, no one who knew him is alive anymore, and so no one knows, like, what his personality was like or really anything about him. But there's a picture of him. There he was, and he had a wife, and there's a existing picture of it. But uh, John, he talked to his grandpa, who remembers John McWhorter II. Um, you know, that'd be the one, the, the kid of the slave. And apparently, like, every one of these people kind of like their... They, they all like their whiskey. I mean, I think they all had families. They all raised their kids good. And they all like their... Uh, actually, I don't know if it was whiskey or not, but they all liked whatever it was. And so there's a couple pictures of uh, John McWhorter II... But also, there's a little bit of a memory of how the guy was. And so, apparently, he, uh, he drank from a jug, and he said all he, ever, all he would ever say was bup. I think like B-U-P, like Bravo Uniform Papa, bup. Rhymes with cup. So I think he'd, you know, he'd, whatever, he'd take a seat, he'd grab his jug. If he had to talk to someone, he'd say bup. Possibly bup bup. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's too different from how I am. So, if he had a podcast, I'd love to listen to that. So I just watched uh, Henry Cejudo win gold. Um, he's 21 years old. He's Hispanic. It was wrestling. It was 55 kilograms. I assume that means under 55 kilograms. Um his backstory was that his mom and his dad were both illegal immigrants and that he had never had his own bed, I guess, until, whatever, not this Olympics, but until recently when he was found out to be a wrestling phenomenon. So he won the gold. It's the first time America's won the gold in that category and since 1904. Basically, all around, it's just an uplifting story. Um, whatever, you can go find the video on YouTube. All this stuff is on YouTube. If you want to see any person win their medal or lose their medal, I think you can find it on YouTube now. The long story short, uh, you know, okay, what's the woke stuff? Um, his parents were illegal immigrants from Mexico. That's fine. Good for them. They came here and they produced a... Uh, American child who is a Olympic gold medal winner. I love it. Absolutely wonderful. And then, like, these Olympics like, have no spectators. But for some reason, this guy had a whole bunch of his family in the stands. So, basically, it's a bunch of... Whatever. I want to call them Mexicans. I guess they're Mexican-Americans. A whole bunch of Mexican-Americans were in the stands rooting for him. And they're, like, holding up flags and waving around American flags. And when he won, they were just so excited. So, whatever. They all love America. And it was awesome. They didn't get the memo that they're supposed to hate America because they're Hispanic or whatever. The other thing about these wrestlers, like... So, this young Hispanic man who won and then, like, his coach... 
they got like a weird look to them. It's not a, it's not a race. It's not like, oh, like, you know, black people look different than white people or whatever, but it's like wrestlers look different than other people. It's like, it's in their head. Like, I mean, you know, the part of the body that a wrestler uses to totally be better at wrestling than other people is their body, right? You know, like somehow they're, they're, they're kind of like short and they're shorter and stronger. I think, you know, for their height, they're incredibly strong. But the weird thing is, is there's something about their faces that looks a little different. And it's not racial, but it's, you know, if you saw it, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen faces like that. I don't know what it's called. There's a thing called Mar fans. That's for like tall people. Like uh, the most famous Mar fans person is uh, Abraham Lincoln, where you get like that really, you're incredibly tall. It makes your bones grow extra, is what it does. And you're incredibly tall, and then you get like a really long jaw, and you're kind of like, whatever. You're not wide, you're tall. These wrestlers, they kind of make me think of uh, the actor Steven Dorff. He was the bad guy in the first um, Blade movie. Basically, they kind of look like dwarfs, where it's like you get a bigger head compared to your body. But it's not exactly right. I think that's racist now. Uh, you don't call... You don't call dwarfs dwarfs, uh, you call them little people, unless you're a racist. Okay, yeah, I'm looking up little people on Google Image Search, and uh, whatever. They got something going on with their heads that these wrestlers also have. It's just like you want to pack as much power into as short a body as absolutely possible, and just, you will wrestle the hell out of your buddy. Not in a gay way. But it'd be fine if you did. Alright, so I'm looking at picture, pictures of dwarfs. And uh, I shouldn't be. But whatever, I'm just going to tell you right now. Google image search says, At 3 foot 4 inches, Drew Presta is the sexiest dwarf model you'll see. So D-R-U, first name, last name Presta, P-R-E-S-T-A. And man, she is hot. 3 foot 4 Smoking hot, so check that out if you have an internet connection.